Welcome everyone to the SC Mafia Strength and Conditioning Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Ryder. Together we'll speak with Springfield College's many strength and conditioning alumni and hear about their experiences firsthand. The goal is to bring together the great strength coaches Springfield College has produced into one open forum. That being said, hope you enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, welcome to the SC Mafia Strength Conditioning Coaches Podcast. Our guest today is in her third year as the SNC coach for women's basketball and women's soccer at the College of the Holy Cross, Asia Shellmeyer. Asia, why don't you go ahead? Let's get started. Tell listeners about yourself and your path into coaching. Hi, Connor. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I started actually in strength and conditioning on the opposite side of the country. So I am from Burbank, California, born and raised. I played basketball my entire life and was just exposed to a different facet of strength training. Um, We trained off campus at a small private facility called P3 Sports Science. So I got to see like the ins and outs of what a force plate does and what video analysis is like. And I was really intrigued by that stuff. So I dived into the field of kinesiology at my school. Um, I really invested in my personal training as an athlete. And uh, once my time training was over, I was like, well, what's next? And I had an opportunity through my professors at my college to be a private trainer at his facility. um, And I was able to get my bearings, just understand if this field was meant for me or not. I worked with adult clients and kids, so anywhere from like ages 8 to 80. And then I got an opportunity to uh, coach at a high school as well. So I was working multiple jobs. Everyone goes through the ringer with that in their first couple of years in the field. Not everybody, but uh, most do. And um, I had the the dual job of being a private trainer and a high school strength and conditioning coach for a couple of years. I worked with all sports. So that was a great way for me to segue into um, deciding what age group and what population I had wanted to dive into and felt most comfortable with. Um, But I was never exposed to collegiate athletics. So when I decided to leave high school, I, I wanted to get a degree. I wanted to move on and potentially pursue collegiate athletics. So I took a chance, uh, had an internship in uh, in Woburn, Massachusetts. I just took the chance uh, at Mike Boyle's Strength and Conditioning and uh, spent a summer there, learned a ton, um, got a ton of recommendations to come to Springfield College from that point. And I just kind of sat on that decision for a while, didn't know if it was meant for me to move across the country, pick up my life and try to educate myself a little bit more. But in 2020, pandemic kind of rolled around. I was sitting at home kind of doing the same old thing with my coaching career and I just wanted to take a leap. So I applied to Springfield College, got in. And um, from that point, we do all of our internships. We have a lot of fun there. Um, But our mandatory uh, 100-hour internship was for me spent at College of the Holy Cross. So I got to spend uh, hours and hours there with Coach Jeff Oliver and then a position just so happened to open up the summer that I left there. So I've been there ever since and uh, it's been a wild ride, but very grateful for it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I feel like it's always a a different type of feeling to 
to be an intern somewhere and then be valued enough that when that position on, opens up, you're you're actually in the running for it. Is that is it a different feeling? Yeah, I was not expecting it at all. Um, I was actually getting ready to move on to that like 400 hour internship experience uh, with the grad program and I was going to go off to Hawaii and wasn't thinking any any part of a job was going to pop up at that point in time. So um, being valued to that extent was was pretty cool. Um, I just remember walking into the facility because, I, again, I didn't have a ton of exposure to collegiate athletics in general. But then walking into the Holy Cross facility, I remember saying, like, whoa, is this Disneyland? Like, it's kind of funny that I look back on that now, but. Um, it's, it was a fun experience and I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So you were yourself a collegiate basketball player. So as someone that did the sport and now you're working with the sport, tell us how that transition is working now as a strength coach, having had that, that athletics experience that I think is a little bit on the rare side nowadays in strength and conditioning. Yeah. Um, initially, I felt that I had a, a bit of imposter syndrome. I was like, am I really a strength coach? Am I meant for this? Like, I understand the science behind what it means to develop somebody to physiologically pr like, be productive on basketball court. But just with being a player, I didn't want to assume that with what I knew uh, strategically of the game, that everything I, I thought was correct. So with that, like, it's allowed me to make informed decisions about, like, the volume and intensity of their training, of their warmups. Um, it just because I can kind of refer back to what my body felt like at certain points of the year and I communicate with the team as much as possible just because I went to liberal arts, liberal arts college myself. And um, it just, it, it's a lot. It's a lot coming from a high academic environment and, uh, and being fully invested in your sport. So I just, I think that college athlete experience definitely helped me to help them. And then also, I didn't invest in my own training until about halfway through my collegiate career. So I took the weight room very seriously after I had my first incidence of an injury. Um, and I never wanted to come to that for my athletes. But I started to step into the weight room every single day with the intention to first like be cognizant of preventing injuries and then be able to produce on the basketball court. So... Yeah, and, and that's that's the second story, isn't it? It's, it's either you're a subpar athlete going into strength conditioning because you feel like, you know, you could have trained yourself better mm -hmm. in the past or you are the athlete that got injured and that's how you get invested in it. So, But that is a, that is a really cool story. And, um, you know, I love when, when people get into strength conditioning, so... Uh, it's always, always fun to talk about, but so having that mind for, for injury prevention now, how do you go about assessing athletes as they walk in the door to develop them as a basketball athlete? 
Yeah, first, even on their official visits, I get to know the freshman class or our newcomers that are coming in, our transfers. Try to just get that verbal assessment done of just asking what their training background is, what previous injuries they've had, what their eating, sleeping habits are currently like, and if they've been educated on any of that. I just kind of like to have a little bit of a a feel on that before they even step in the door. But once they get there, once they arrive on campus in that first day, I try to follow up on that verbal assessment. And then also I have like a, a movement assessment that I'll run with all of our newcomers to where it's five basic movements. We see a lot of the same types of injuries in basketball with uh, ankle sprains knees um got a lot of like low back stuff that's starting to flare up um but those are things i'm trying to assess and and make sure um we have some proper balance of strength and and mobility so um i'll take them through like an overhead squat an ankle mobility assessment shoulder mobility and then a single leg squat and I end up developing a newbie program. So I get all of our new kids on a similar program to where they're invested in foundational movements for about six weeks. And then I'll transition them into the full team lift based on that. Um, We also do individualized prehab based on the assessment scores. So if they're on the lower end of the scale um, with that like subjective test, Um, then I'll give them specific prehab exercises to do prior to practice every single day. Um, and we'll work through that throughout an entire summer. And so with that assessment, you're kind of measuring, you're, you're taking data on those athletes and transitioning into some individualized programming. How how tough is managing those those individual routines uh, throughout the season, or does it does it affect you at all? So throughout a season, I think it gets to a point where we are extremely busy. We're trying to uh, maintain health throughout f- up to five months of of playing, and um, I kind of transition into more of a this is like not an option to complete sort of mindset. Um, and I try to get everyone to the, about the same baseline. So if we have somebody with shoulder issues, someone with a, a hip imbalance, um, and I'm trying to all gather them in the middle. So we're uh, as a group pretty in, in the clear um, from those far-fetched, pretty much like injury-prone states. Um, I'm trying to bring them all back to an equilibrium, a flat line, um, so they can perform at their best and all not perform at the same level because I don't think any athlete on the team that I'm currently working with is no one person is the same, but I can try to, to level them out if someone's more fast twitch uh that's great and let's try to work on some some things to elevate that but also 
if we're seeing some, let's just say, ankle issues, low, lower leg issues flare up, then I'm going to sit there and work on that so they're back to their optimal state. Um, but ultimately, I think like the whole prehab situation, it the idea is to just let those things kind of fizzle out and become neutralized so that everyone's performing and firing on all cylinders for what they're asked to do with their role on the team. Yeah, you bring up a really great point. I, I consider it like regression towards the mean. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I work in baseball, but baseball, basketball, both very long kind of drawn out seasons, even, you know, on, on the difference between the collegiate side and the professional side, these, these athletes are playing almost every day, their sport in some capacity. And those things are really important, but you will see a little bit of regression towards some kind of equilibrium, some kind of baseline, even from your high performers and your, your lowest of the low performers where they might be competing at the same level, but in terms of strength and conditioning with mobility or range of motion, passive or active, mm -hmm. they might be getting worse over the course of a season. And that's just because a season is, is really long. So you're really, really good movers in the weight room. They might get a little bit worse over the course of the season. You're really, really bad ones. We would hope that they get better over the course of a season. But the point is to get them all towards that kind of state where they're performing well, but also, you know, uh, at, at some level, less reduced or less risk of, of injury. Mm -hmm. But so what are some strategies you found uh, in promoting recovery, promoting the adherence to, to a prehab or a rehab protocol while also continuing to develop uh, physically in season? So one of my big things from my first year to my second year that I think we really capitalized on as a group was not making recovery an option um it was embedded into everything we did and um that first year when practice ended when a lift ended it was kind of like a free-for-all like anyone could go home no one like was mandated to go see our athletic trader for treatment um and honestly i think the teams that take care of their bodies and um, invest in the small things so that they can cash out later um, when playoffs roll around and when championship games are played, those are the teams that end up being successful. And um, we had a big coaches meeting about it where we sat down and they're like, all right, what can we improve in this year um, so that we aren't choking at in an inappropriate time when we're just finishing our conference play and going into playoffs? Um, so we talked about sleep, hydration, nutrition all the little things um, that aren't so little when it comes to the grand scheme of performance. But um, I mentioned the soft tissue work. I mentioned uh, supplements. I mentioned just the very small tasks that maybe take an extra 15 minutes out of our athlete's day. And 
they were like, oh yeah, well we can have them stay behind on their own and do five minutes of foam rolling and stretching together. I was like, well, let's not make it an option and we'll just make it a, a part of our program. So um, we would do off days um, immediately after like a Saturday game um, and every kid was supposed to schedule every athlete I should say that had played over 10 minutes is scheduled for an individual session with our athletic trainer so they're taking care of their bodies if they're not on the schedule then it's a problem and we kind of talk about it but um we just really periodize the recovery process throughout an entire season like that because I think once we started to see success with that and there were virtually no injuries like it was um something that was tied pretty heavily to to the new system that we created so and so you, you kind of uh touched on the next question a little bit which is which is great uh taking all of those protocols and adding them into the program being able to manage that yourself and also in tandem with the the basketball staff and the medical staff how are you as the strength coach kind of managing workloads and managing prioritizing those those recovery modalities and seeing the AT how are how are you managing it while also managing you know your own your own time yeah um we started to get into our GPS RFID tracking system data collection um, about when I started at Holy Cross, they got a new system and I just had to dive in blind. I had no idea what I was working with, to be honest. And no one had the same system as me in my office. So I just spent hours and hours on the interface, um, on customer service calls, just trying to understand what, how they defined every single metric. And I would say that has helped me not only just to fact check what I was already seeing, um, but it also helped me to be a better coach and really understand like the whole profile of each and every athlete that I was working with. I had previously mentioned like, you have a fast twitch kid, you have a slow twitch kid. How are we going to find that baseline for each of them to perform at a high level? Um, and also like positionally, some of that stuff is better for a point guard to be a little bit more um, slow twitch so that they can think through plays so that they can like be active and be productive within the 40 minutes of play. Um, usually we have um, a pretty deep bench though. So it doesn't have to get to that point to where they need to uh, really focus on endurance in that aspect per se. But um, they some of them do play 40 minutes, 40 plus minutes if it's overtime. So um, and then we have our powerful forwards and post players um, that need that um, the little bit of explosion. So seeing that mapped out in every single practice and how speeds may be down or speeds may be up one week, um, that's really helped me in the weight room um, with intensity, volume, and then also just exercise type. But I also am extremely grateful for um 
the speed stuff because that's directly correlating to like our hamstring strains and and uh, our ankle stuff that I'm I'm seeing pop up at specific times. Um, and it can be um, utilized for our game data as well. So when we see practices before extremely high and maybe we start off a game a little sluggish, um, I have evidence to kind of present the coaches with and we could talk about it. Or um, we had a championship game this past year where we kind of hit a, a wall for a second and it was a little a little bit of a nail biter. So that's something I'm going to dive into a little bit deeper now that I have hard numbers to to present the coaches with and to even show to the athletes if they ask for it. So, yeah. Any, any insight on how you, well, first of all, established a system for data collection. I mean, that's the best way to learn, you know, it's getting thrown right in the fire, but yeah, for, for establishing a, a system for collecting all that GPS data, RFID, and then refining it over time, things, any insight on, into things that you're going to, do going forward that you maybe weren't doing before or things that you thought were good and now you're getting rid of? Yeah, I called so many coaches. It's crazy. I I think it was more than two hands counting uh, of people that I consulted with just to get an understanding of what metrics they were using, specifically basketball strength coaches. um, And they just always preach the same message of less is more. So finding like the four or five things that you really value is extremely important. And I kind of got to look at the list of coaches that uh, we utilize uh, Connects on. Um, got to look at a few of the, the coaches in the NCAA that are using that system. And I just chatted with them I even chatted with one of my former classmates named Mikey um about his football data that he's using in the NFL so um just trying to get an understanding of all of what that system could do is was a lot because it's it's a lot more than five things that (laughs) that the whole system tracks so it was um it it was very informative for me to have almost a running tally of who said load per minute was most important who said average speed was most important or top speed um i kind of collected data myself there from those phone calls and conversations and decided to kind of play around with a few of them for a certain period of time um i really think load management is becoming a huge thing in strength and conditioning in general. So the fact that I can have this system is beyond great at this level of division one basketball, but um, the load load per minute, that's just a great reference for me, especially in practices and games to help inform the coaches on how to practice plan and then also how to prepare for games based on the opponents that we played in previous years um, with our league play. Um, And I think it's really helped in terms of like periodizing that recovery in the midst of a season as well. So. Yeah. What what do you think has helped you kind of 
get your foot in the door with with sport coaches and in planning practice because I think that's something that a lot of strength coaches struggle with you know thinking that it's it's not really their realm yeah it's it's tough I would say we still haven't gotten it all ironed out yet I don't think really anyone has but um we first started just with a year of collecting if I saw any extreme red flags I would notify the coaches and then if we were working on a return to play we'd work based off of percentages of load instead of um, just going with the general half court no contact half court contact full court we started to change our way of thinking there as a support staff to get kids back in and ready for the game but um talking to sport coaches about it it's it's new for most of them so you have to scale it back and speak in their language make it important to them uh to where i feel like just sitting down and educating on the little things as to why maybe going at game speed for the entire practice the day before isn't the best idea i think uh, once you put it in, put the ball in their court, for lack of a better phrase, um, once you put the ball in their court to make data-driven decisions, then they start to invest in it. Um, so I think just starting with that piece of educating them on what I'm looking at and what I think is important Um and how it's going to essentially bring them success down the road. I, I think that's extremely helpful um, just to have that conversation. And if it doesn't involve practice planning right away, that's fine. Um, but I think they will show interest if you start to see success with the, the system and how it's operating at a high level to keep your players in the game yeah awesome awesome we're gonna transition to some lifestyle stuff some uh insight directed towards young coaches before we get into that we want to thank you for jumping on the podcast and the team at endurafin would like to send you some athletic fuel Athletic Fuel is a ready-to-mix powder packed with 45 grams of carbs, 20 grams fast-digestible whey protein, great for athletes or coaches on the go, and using their patented FinTech bottles for easy blending. Football team at Springfield love the stuff. We used it all the time, and we want to thank you for joining the podcast, and we want to thank the guys in Durfin for, for supporting the podcast and our guests. Thank you. All right, so any advice for young people trying to get into the field, trying to get into strength and conditioning, advice for people who are maybe in the field getting into basketball, women's basketball, or even women's soccer, uh, anything about lifestyle, things like that? I think you kind of just have to be prepared for anything at any time. Um, I think having the attitude of being just like a servant leader at all times 
knowing that you have eyes on you as well being a member of support staff um in collegiate athletics in general oftentimes we feel that we're kind of behind closed doors and functioning as like the masterminds getting these teams prepared to perform but um every, everybody sees what you do and how you do it and if you're there to serve others and bring your best every day people will remember that um i know my boss says this all the time it's a maya angelou quote but people don't remember what you said or what you did but people will always remember how you made them feel so just going that extra mile for people is going to be extremely important in this field um regardless of what sport you work with and um i've just had a blast i i don't ever hang my head any day thinking that I should have done more because I just have so much fun seeing these athletes grow into uh, just great functional human beings in society um, that bring smiles to other people. So um, I would say like specifically for women's basketball, like that stretch is so long of playing and having your summer session and they get like two weeks before they go back to school and then they're hitting the ground running again it's just like you're with this group all of the time so you gotta make it fun and I'm all about games and competition and finding ways to get your athletes to compete whether it's in the weight room whether you come up with silly games like minute to win it games or uh, blindfold challenges, stuff like that. Uh, I think that's stuff that they'll remember for the rest of their entire career. But also you get on the road and travel with them and everyone's groaning because we've been sitting on a bus for eight hours. So you got to find ways to make that fun too. And um, you're a part of pretty much everything. Like their meals, um, their recovery post bus ride their recovery post practice everything's thrown in there sometimes they wake up early in the morning and we're working out in the hotels um that's just something that comes with the culture of division one basketball at this time and it's it's fun it can wear you down sometimes but I think when you invest in yourself and the people around you it's it fills your cup more than you would think it does when you start to close off yourself to everything and everyone it's not fun and um it's hard especially when uh, for me being across the country from my family like it's not easy to just call people up or just get a hug from somebody but at the same time it's like these people become your family so um just being prepared for that if you're getting into basketball. Um, and you said baseball is a long-running season too. I can imagine uh, that those people become some of your best friends, your family, um, and you provide some level of consistency for them throughout their college career, uh, whether you know it or not. So, Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, I feel it because... <laughs> I mean, we don't even speak the same language a lot of the time in, in baseball, but the season is so long and you do so much for each other that, that you're almost forced to become family. And it it's a great feeling. And 
you know, it is tough being away from family, away from friends, uh, just, you know, home. But when, when you use others to fill your cup, it really pays off in the end. Any advice for really, really younger coaches, like maybe completing their first internship, think they might want to get into basketball or strength conditioning in general and just looking for advice from somebody who's done the rounds? Yeah. Um, I would just say lock in wherever you're at. Um, be locked into the moment. Don't think you're insignificant regardless of your age, your athletic status, whatever. Just show people that you care and I guarantee it it's going to go a long way. Ask questions. Don't ever be afraid to look like you're incompetent in a specific area because in reality we all are. So I ask questions every day of my staff. They help me grow. Um, my coaching staff on the basketball team I ask them questions I ask my athletic trainer questions all the time um but that's that doesn't mean you know any more or less um at the end of the day I just think it's an opportunity to build a relationship with the people around you um so that you are helped in the long run and people would refer to you for um for a coaching job someday or um, they just know that you care enough to provide for whatever population you're working with. I, I would say that that's probably my biggest advice is just to stay locked into the moment and to uh, like not really worry about the X's and O's right away. Um, develop those relationships and uh, ask tons of questions. All right. Some quick hitters to end us off. Fondest memory of your time as a strength and conditioning coach in general, at Springfield, both, neither. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, I just love watching people accomplish their goals. So whether it's on or off the basketball court, it's great. Like it's great to win championships and all that. Like those moments are some of my fondest memories. I don't think many people forget stuff like that but I also love when somebody gets a PR on bench or um crushes their vertical jump PR that stuff's so fun for me so those are the things that like I personally won't forget and at Springfield College um that weight room internship is wild your first semester there as a grad student and even some of the undergrads come in and help out but it's just such a fun lively environment and you're just looking to your right and left and you're like oh that's a cool exercise let me go help this kid it's just like your mind's racing and it's so much fun and I miss that a lot um but also something I think was very special during my time there specifically was uh I was there during the pandemic so we had a lot of bonding moments some people call it a trauma bond but um we had so much fun with our time together because we were in smaller groups because we had to figure things out in a different way than maybe some classes previous to us didn't have that 
um, exposure, but uh, we scheduled a Zoom happy hour with my graduating class and it was just fun to bond. Like even if we couldn't be physically together, it was really cool to see us come together and invest in each other and laugh. Um, so those are some of my fondest memories. Yeah, and it, it really is wild, um, you know, getting into Springfield's weight room and then getting out and seeing the, the world outside because it's, it's wildly different in the the best and the worst ways. Like, you really don't understand the the limitations of being in a Division three weight room, although we do have a lot of resources for Division three. there's also a lot of limitations and... You know, getting into Division One or high-level athletics and seeing the differences in people, the differences in staffing, the differences in time commitment—it's—it's it's real. It makes you miss Springfield in the worst way, but it also makes you a little bit more grateful for for what you have if if you are getting into that environment. So uh, it's just really unique, and that's why I always recommend it to people. Go-tos for professional development right now, resources, people, anything. Yeah, I was just referring to my staff. Um, we talk to each other. We're communicators in that space. And our office is called the fishbowl, literally, because we can be seen by everybody in the athletics building, but we can also look out and see everybody. Um, and I see some cool stuff happening around me every single day so we talk about it we're like oh why do you do that what's this for um where'd you get that from can you send me the article um we're very communicative we have some awesome grad fellows that come through as well and in the midst of their education they're bringing us new stuff too so i'm very grateful for that um and then my athletic trainer as well this is my second year working alongside him, but we push each other to make each other better. And um, we also enjoy strength training as a staff. So we talk a lot about just different articles that may have come up and we share them with one another. And we see that a kid is having a flare up of a stress injury and he'll send me information. So we keep each other relevant and uh, up to date on just but it could be anything from a training modality to hamstring injury prevention. It could be anything under the sun. So those are some of my people for uh, professional development right now, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And then last one, biggest influences in the field, past, present, future. What have you taken away from those people? So I would probably have like a handful uh, that I have to touch on, but um, I have my current boss, Jeff Oliver. Um, he's been in the field for 25 plus years now. He built the current place I'm in from pretty much the ground up. The That facility's awesome, but just the energy and love he brings to his job each and every day is inspiring. So um, he's one of my influences. My internship at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning really informed my programming style. Um, just understanding that it's not all squat, bench, and deadlift, and that not everybody needs to look like a powerlifter. It was like a very 
new thought for me when I was, I want to say 23 and just flew across the country to see if I was really invested in this stuff. I also read new functional training for sports like the year before I decided to go over there. So um, kind of stuck to those similar principles. And then once I got to my oil strength and conditioning, got to talk to everybody there. Um, it's uh, It's been a staple for me. So got to thank Mike Boyle. Um, my time at Hawaii, I got to see my first full summer basketball session done. I, I'd never seen a Division One college basketball team train for an extended period of time until I took that summer and left for the University of Hawaii. So I got to coach alongside uh, Coach Tanner Hull, and he is just awesome with his energy, like the the energy that he brings to a room and like the camaraderie that I saw between the athletes in there and like just seeing it in full effect really made me want to take this job opportunity that I had at that time even more and got me so excited. So he taught me a lot and got to thank him. And then um, another one would definitely be Dr. MK fight. It's, different seeing like a powerful woman in our field just kind of developing leaders and um I remember just hearing so much about her prior to me attending Springfield College that it was everything anyone ever said about her was true once I got to campus it's just like she will push you she wants you to be better um she has her name out there for a reason and um I'm just grateful that she she has her hand in pretty much all of our education there at Springfield College, I would say. Um, and she asks very pressing questions that make you think. Um, so, oh, and then lastly, my head women's basketball coach from college. I know that's kind of out of out of pocket with the strength and conditioning, but I I also feel that she's just allowed me to be my worst self and then also has coached me to be able to coach other people effectively if that makes any sense but she's she's just a very level-headed human being that I respect so much that has seen me go through a lot so she's pushed me as well to be who I am in this field coaching is coaching Always yep. valid. And if I can say one thing about Dr. MK Fight, go learn from her. Amen. <laughs> Join the SC Mafia. Yeah. Amen. Um, I, w- I want to give you 30 seconds. Plug yourself. Uh, where can people reach you if they want to talk shop, if they want to ask you a question about basketball, about life, anything general? Where can they get you? Yeah, you can reach me at coach underscore age on Instagram. Um, I am very responsive. I'm very willing to chat at any point in time. We can communicate in the DMs or we can take it off uh, social media as well. But that's primarily where you can reach me. 